there. I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 80. And today I'd like to talk about radical unschooling. Sometimes I read articles on the internet where people say that they have tried radical unschooling and it doesn't work. They have said to their children, you can do whatever you like. And their children have become self-centered and the whole family has fallen apart. And I've been thinking about this. Why does that happen? So that's what I want to talk about mainly today. Now you might agree that there are many benefits to unschooling. Children do get a love of learning. They will indeed learn all they need to know when they need to know it. There's no battles over learning. Kids are self-motivated. And when we allow our children to follow their passions, amazing things can happen. Learning also becomes a family affair. It can become a chance for parents to get involved and to learn new things as well, to have a second chance at a proper education. So many people will choose to unschool, as far as education goes. But what about radical unschooling? What about letting freedom to choose spill over into all aspects of our lives, all aspects of our children's lives? Should we do that? Perhaps we've seen the benefits of unschooling as far as education goes. And is it now time to take one more step? Or are the critics right that if we do give our children the freedom to choose, that they will become selfish people and our lives really will become very chaotic? Maybe, like me, you have read negative stories about radical unschooling online. A few podcasts ago, I was talking about critical thinking, how we should react when we read things about unschooling. We shouldn't always believe what we read. We need to think critically about all the information that is presented to us. For example, I suggested that when we read negative things about unschooling, perhaps we ask ourselves, is the writer of that article an unschooler? Have they actually tried unschooling? Did they give it a fair go? Are they basing their opinions on a family who call themselves unschoolers but are not actually unschooling? Do they have a reason for wanting to steer us away from unschooling? I once read a very negative article about unschooling on a site that was selling curriculum. Of course, those people wanted us to buy the curriculum so they were going to steer us away from unschooling, give us all the reasons why unschooling is a bad idea. But you might come across people who have unschooled, and they've done it for quite some time, and they have given it a fair go, and they're telling us that it doesn't work. They're trying to steer other people away from unschooling. It's a bad idea. Or they might say it didn't work for them, but it might work for other people if you've got the right sort of children. Or they could even go as far as saying it's irresponsible. They're glad they came to their senses and decided not to unschool after all. They're warning others to stay away. I'm thinking of somebody who several years ago was investigating unschooling. 
She read everything she could. She followed a lot of unschooling blogs. She joined forums. She wrote blog posts about the things that she was finding out about unschooling. She was asking questions, discussing unschooling with a lot of people. And then she was trying things out. I was involved in a number of these discussions with her. Sometimes she had some negative feelings about unschooling, and I would try to reassure her. But in the end, she decided that unschooling is wrong. In fact, she went as far as to say that it is an irresponsible thing to do, and that it doesn't work. I don't know what she thought of me. Did she think that I was an irresponsible parent? Did she not really think that unschooling is working in our family? Did she think they're not learning? That they're not developing into the people that they are meant to be? Because when we make statements like unschooling is an irresponsible thing to do, then really we are saying to all unschoolers, "I think you are irresponsible." Now this person didn't say that directly to me, but that's what I infer from her words. I don't know where she is or what she's doing these days because she unfriended me on Facebook. She cut herself off from all the unschooling groups that she used to belong to. She made a clean break. Yes, she broke off her connection to unschooling in a very final way. But she's not the only person that I've come across in the years that we've been unschooling who says that unschooling isn't the right thing to do, that it doesn't work. In particular, I think these people are talking about radical unschooling. Over and over again, I have read posts that say such things as, "If you let your kids do whatever they like, they'll become selfish and lazy. You, as the parent, will end up doing all the work of the family. Kids will make bad decisions. We can't trust them. They'll say, as I said earlier, we've given it time." We gave them time to get their freedom out of their system, and still they're not turning around and saying, "Hey, I'd like to help you, Mum." No, they're just getting used to being lazy. It's a good lifestyle, and what happens is that life becomes more and more chaotic, and mothers get exhausted because they're doing everything in the family. And then one day the mother will say, "That's it. I've had enough. Get back to work." As I said, I've read a number of these stories, and I believe them. I think the people that are writing them are telling the truth. This is exactly what's happening within their families, and I'm not really surprised because can you imagine saying to children, "We're going to be radical unschoolers. From now on, you can do whatever you like." Why wouldn't children do exactly what they like if they don't want to do the chores anymore and they want to stay late in bed and they want to play all day without regard to anybody else in the family? Eat what they like, not answer to anybody. Why wouldn't they? They've been given the freedom to do whatever they like, and they're going to do it. But I don't believe that this is radical unschooling, and that's why I disagree with the conclusion that the writers have come to that radical unschooling doesn't work, because I know it does work, because that's what we're doing within our family. A lot of people will tell you that radical unschooling is a bit weird. It produces wild children, and if you know my family, you will know that we're quite conventional. From the outside, I don't think anybody would label us radical unschoolers. 
Nobody's head turns as we walk down the street. We don't make waves. We're not visibly different to anybody else. But I do believe we're radical unschoolers. I don't make rules for my children. I give my children the freedom to choose in all aspects of their lives. I trust that they will use that freedom in the right way. Now, I don't often use the word radical unschoolers when I'm talking about us or when I'm writing blog posts. And I wonder why. I had to think about it, and I think it's because it implies that what we're doing is weird. It's extreme parenting, perhaps risky. That's the sort of ideas that the word radical brings up. And that's not how I think radical unschooling is. The way we're parenting, I think, shouldn't be out there on the extreme edges. It should be mainstream. I think it's the way everybody should be parenting their children. And why is that? Because it involves respecting our children, loving them unconditionally, connecting with them, not controlling them, so that that they get a good sense of what is right, what is wrong. We can pass on our values to them through being connected and not because we are making rules that could be broken. And that's what I think everybody should be doing. Maybe lots of people would disagree with that, but yeah, I think that it should be mainstream, not described as radical. But radical is the word that people use. So we're a radical unschooling family. And I wonder, how did we get here? Did I wake up one morning and say to my kids, hey kids, we're going to be radical unschoolers from now on. Unschooling is working and I want to take the next step. Let's become radical unschoolers. You can do whatever you like from now on. The choice is yours. Did I just stand back and trust that my children would make the right decisions? They would make good choices. Well, I've already said that other people have said that that doesn't work. But maybe I was lucky. Maybe my kids responded in a different way to those other children in those families that I've been talking about. The children who choose to be self-centered. Perhaps I have a different type of child that wouldn't even think of being self-centered, which is rather a silly thought. But some people do say, some children are more suited to unschooling than others. Well, the fact is that I never ever made the decision to be radical unschoolers. I never said to my children, you can do whatever you like. You might know our unschooling story, how we slipped into unschooling quite naturally without even realizing. Just woke up one day, read a book about unschooling, thought, wow, that's what we're doing. We're unschoolers and I didn't even realize it. And that's what happened with radical unschooling too. One day I realized that we changed. We'd arrived at radical unschooling without making a conscious decision to actually do that. I did, however, make a decision, and that was that I wanted to be a better parent. I knew I didn't always speak to my kids with respect. I ordered them instead of asking. I criticized their clothes and other things about them quite a lot. You know, what are you wearing that for? That doesn't match. I don't like your hairstyle. It looked better the other way. You're not going out looking like that, are you? I always thought that my way was better than my children's. I was the parent. I had more experience. 
and I had set ideas about how I wanted my children to look and what I wanted them to do, what even what I wanted them to think. Yes, I was in control, or at least I was trying to stay in control. I lacked empathy. I didn't listen properly. I was always jumping in with my own thoughts, the things that I wanted to say to them. If they said anything that I disagreed with, I'd cut them off. I'd tell them where they were going wrong, why I was right. We got to the stage where they weren't sharing much with me anymore, because, I guess, they knew that I would lecture them as soon as they asked a question or expressed an opinion. I think it's very easy to get into a certain pattern of communication. We can do things without even thinking, say things. Words, they just fall from our mouths without us thinking much about them. One day I stopped and I listened to myself, and I didn't like what I was hearing. I also started questioning my responses to various situations in the family. Does it really matter if kids don't eat all the food on their plates, for example? And why shouldn't they be allowed to choose their own style of clothes or their hair? Does it really matter if their clothes don't match? And what about bedtimes? Why should they go to bed at a certain hour if they're not tired? And did I really have to get on their backs all the time about doing chores? I never even gave them an opportunity to freely offer to help me. And so I decided that I would try and change myself. And I'm not saying it was very easy, because it wasn't. I'd make a resolution not to say certain things, and then I'd find myself saying them and having to try again. But I did persevere, and I guess I got to the stage where I was no longer trying to control my children. And what happened? It was really funny. When I stopped trying to control my kids, they didn't do any of the things that I was worried about. They actually made choices that are very much in line with my own. And I wonder, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they rush off and do something radical? They didn't act like the children in the stories that I started this podcast with. They had the freedom to do whatever they liked, and they chose to be conventional, to fit in with the family. They continued, for example, to go to Mass with our family. They read books that have good content. They help with the chores. They're considerate when it comes to late bedtimes and making lots of noise. They eat similar food to the rest of the family. Life didn't become chaotic. And I think the difference between just saying you can go and do whatever you like and actually a parent trying to be respectful and build up a relationship with their child with trust is that the child does trust the parent. They feel connected to us. What we're doing is actually working on our relationships. And when kids feel loved and connected and part of the family, they do adopt the parents' values. They do want to be considerate. They do want to show love in return and be helpful. And I think this is what radical unschooling is all about. It is about giving our children the freedom to choose and trusting that they will make good choices. And as I said, all that came about because I changed. I changed as a parent, as a person. So we can't say, 
You're free to do whatever you like and expect our kids to make the right choices without some input from us. Our kids need guidance. We need to parent them properly. We can't, as a lot of people say, unparent. Our kids need to learn what is right and what is wrong. I think that they feel different within themselves when they know that. They have a sort of good feeling within them when they're doing the right thing. And they feel out of balance when they're not doing the right thing. And that internal feeling motivates them. It directs their choices. And it's good to have that internal motivation. For kids to do things because they know it's right and it feels right, rather than because there is a rule or mum has said, you have to do this. In one case, motivation is coming from inside them and in the other case, it's coming from outside them. And the only problem is that when the motivation for doing something comes from outside, when the parent isn't around, when they're not policing the situation, kids will then go off and do something different from what they should be doing. And what we really want is for our kids to be motivated to do the right thing, whether we're around or not. Because it can be a real worry, a real battle, if we have to be there on the scene all the time. Just making sure that our kids are safe, that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So how do kids become connected to us? I've probably answered some of that already, but unconditional love. I talk about that all the time. Being accepted for who they are. Being forgiven for all their mistakes. Being treated with respect. Being trusted. Of course, however we are treated is the way that we end up treating other people. And I do believe that radically unschooling children do return that trust and respect and love that are shown to them. They also return the forgiveness, which is something I want to talk about because you might think that when I decided that I would parent in a different way, that I think that I've got it all worked out, that I parent my children perfectly, that I no longer make any mistakes, that I think that I'm rather better than everybody else. And that's not true at all because I make plenty of mistakes. Sometimes I fall very far and I say things I regret later on. Sometimes I don't act with respect towards my children, but my kids forgive me because I always forgive them as well when they make mistakes. And I think that they can see that I try really hard. Perhaps I can illustrate what I'm talking about with a few stories. I think we all have those situations where children have accidents. They drop things like glasses on the floor. And we look at the mess and we say such things as, you're clumsy. How could you have done that? You should have taken more care. What a mess. At least that's what I used to always say. The words used to just tumble out of my mouth. Now I stop and think and I say something like, never mind, it doesn't matter. I'll get the broom. It's only a glass. I've dropped lots of things before. It's very easy to do. A glass is a glass, I suppose, easily replaceable. But what if it's something more valuable that a child breaks? I guess we have to have the same reaction. Because if we don't, it teaches our children that the thing that we treasure is more important than them. And then I have a little story about trust. 
How easy it is to say such things as, Be a good girl. When we leave our children with somebody else, or when we even just leave home and go somewhere ourselves like shopping, and I'll say, Be a good girl while I'm away. Just a normal thing to say. But one day Jim Rose said to me, Don't you believe that I'll be a good girl? Do you think I'll be bad while you're gone? And that lack of trust, I think, hurts our children. And if we think about it in that way, it's really easy to stop saying things like, Be a good girl. The same thing happens when we keep reminding our kids to do things. Have you done this? Have you done that? Don't we trust that they will do those things? Which brings me on to chores. How do we get kids to choose to do chores to help us around the house so that we're not doing it all ourselves and getting exhausted? I think the first step is helping them. We have to be helpers. And I think that doesn't just mean helping with the washing up, helping sweep the floors. It also means listening carefully to our children and when they need our help with whatever they're doing to respond and not say in a minute and put it off. To always be willing to put down whatever we're doing and help them with whatever they want help with. And I think it's not just doing physical things for our children, helping them in a physical way. It's also listening, taking the time to listen to them, giving them our time freely and generously. So some of the things I used to say about chores was, Come on, you're lazy. You haven't done your chores yet. Why haven't you done the dishes? It's getting late. I guess instead of saying such things as those, I could say, Can I help you? I'll do those dishes for you. I'm sure that when we help our children, they'll do the same for us another day. They'll follow our example. They'll learn how to be generous. They'll learn how to do things out of love. Because they do feel loved. They want to love in return. So maybe radical unschooling isn't about stepping back and letting kids do whatever they like. It's not a passive thing. It's much harder than that. We have to do something. It's about us taking on an active role. Not telling our kids what to do, but being that good example that they need in order to grow into the people that they are meant to be. Now someone might say to me, shouldn't we all be striving to be good examples? Isn't that what parenthood is all about? We don't have to be radical unschoolers to do that. And yes, that's exactly why I don't like the word radical. Yes, we all should be striving to be better parents and better people. I guess the only hurdle is, do we believe that that is enough? Our example. Do we trust that our children will follow our good example? Perhaps we don't. Perhaps we feel that we have to hang on to control, just in case. Make rules that will keep our kids safe police everything. Tell our kids what to do and think, what to wear and eat, because that might keep them safe, keep them out of trouble. It does sound reasonable, doesn't it? Except I've done all that. And though I do think that parents and kids do survive, I think that I have discovered a better way. And it's not just my way, a lot of people have discovered it. And that's radical unschooling. So if you've been experiencing the benefits of unschooling, 
you've been thinking about radical unschooling, should you let the unschooling philosophy spill over into all aspects of your lives? Perhaps there will be greater benefits from doing that. I would say, yes, there are greater benefits. Give it a go. I would also say, it's not easy. It's not about standing back and telling kids they can do what they like. But although it's not easy, it's okay. Because when we do difficult things, the difficult things lead to love. And isn't that what it's all about? Loving our kids, them loving us, growing good relationships between us. Yeah, that's what I think radical unschooling is all about. week I was talking about how doing things as a family bonds us together, strengthening family bonds. I said that there is great satisfaction from pulling together and doing difficult things. And maybe that satisfaction is the fruit of working hard together. That wonderful feeling that when we have done a difficult task, we can sit back and enjoy that sense of satisfaction. I think that's very true, but I had another thought in the week. I think that when we work together and we have to do something difficult, that requires a lot of love. So each time we do work together on something hard, we have the opportunity to show that we love the other people that we're working with. It's easy to go on holiday together and have a great time, make happy family memories. And I think we need to do this. But when we do difficult things like move house, as I described last week, or we make sacrifices so that, for example, my husband could go back to uni and we had to watch what we were spending, or we get up very early in the morning when it's very cold in the winter so that we can make a music video for my daughter Imogen, we are choosing to do all those things out of love. And it's that love that bonds us together. Not as much the happy memories but the love. Now, talking of music videos, I can't end a podcast without mentioning music videos. It seems to have become quite a theme, but that's because our lives are revolving around music videos at the moment. If I'm sharing our lives with you, then I'm probably going to tell you about a music video, so I hope you don't mind that. Now, last week I was telling you about how we explored the banks of a local river. And the area that we were walking through used to be a German internment camp during World War I. It's a very fascinating story. As I said, there are a number of signboards along a pathway, and they tell the story of these German people who spent four years living in the area. During the night time, they were locked up in the local jail, but during the daytime, They were free to roam along the banks of the river. They just had to be back at the jail by nightfall. And they spent their days building things. They built boats and toys and buildings, huts, school, villas, concert hall. They had regattas on the river. They made a dam. They grew fruit and vegetables. They were very creative and industrious people. They made themselves a place in the community. Some very, very interesting stories. They've been captured in photos. None of the buildings along the riverbank now exist, 
Now, a few days ago, the girls and I went back to the river. We'd been looking for some sites that we could film music videos at, and we wanted to go back and have another look. Choose one site in particular for the next music video. So we thought we'd just retrace our footsteps, have a second look along the banks of the river, and then make a final decision. But this time, Charlotte, my 18-year-old, she came with us. She was busy the first time we went down to the river. She was working on a couple of uni assignments, but she came the second time. And she and Gemma Rose went exploring a little bit further afield while Sophie, Imogen and I were taking photos. They left the path and they went up a bank and they discovered the foundation stones of one of these villas. They also discovered the stone steps that used to lead to the front door. So they called to the rest of us and we all went up and had a look. And Imogen got excited and she said, Look, Mum, this will be the perfect place to film the next music video. So the very next day, which was last Friday, we got up early and we made our way back to the river. We got there soon after 6 o'clock in the morning. I think sunrise was about 25 past 6. We arrived there before sunrise, but first light had already begun, which was probably just as well, because we wouldn't have been able to find our way along the path through the bush otherwise. And we filmed under the trees in the bush at these stone steps. Imogen sat on the steps, and I think they made a fabulous setting for a video. We only just managed to film the song before the sun rose too high and started casting shadows on Imogen's face. So what did Imogen record this time? What song did she sing? She actually sang a request for me. And that is the Beatles song, Yesterday. She performed this song with a choir maybe a month ago. And I really liked the way the choir did it, all in parts. A bit different from the Beatles' version of it. So Imogen wrote some harmonies and adapted it to her own voice. Yes, yesterday. She sang that standing on the stone steps that used to belong to a German villa. Seems rather appropriate. We think about yesterday. Standing in the same place that other people have stood before us. People who have come and gone. People who have different stories to us. The bush, the trees. They all remain the same. Different people come and go, and they all have, as I said, a different story. It's really a strange feeling standing there thinking about people who have stood in exactly the same place as we are standing. None of those people could have ever imagined that a young girl would stand there and sing a song that would be recorded, and that would then be put on YouTube and that would be able to be viewed by anybody else around the world. Those stone steps are going to be in a video. Anybody will be able to go to YouTube and see those stone steps. I think that's rather remarkable. Nobody could have imagined that a hundred years ago. Somebody in our not-so-proper unschoolers Facebook page, when I shared that story, said it was rather romantic. Yeah, and I understand what she was saying. Thinking about all those people who have lived before us in our local area. It is a romantic feeling. We've been doing a lot of exploring in our local area. 
Our imaginations have been captured by our local history. It's a wonderful way to learn history. Very personal. Places that we are standing in. Places that are special to us today. I'm wondering what happened there years ago. It reminds me of a book and a TV series, a DVD series, called My Place. The book was written by Nadia Wheatley. And it tells the story of a tree and the surrounding areas and all the children that visited that tree over a period of a few hundred years. The series goes back in time, ten years at a time, and focuses on a different child each time. There's a wonderful website associated with the book and the DVD series. I think actually the, the episodes, I'm not sure exactly how many there are, but there were two series. I think that they are at the moment available on YouTube. So I might put the links to those in the show notes if you're interested. It's a great way to learn a bit of Australian history. Because all the events in the past, such as the World Wars, Vietnam War, the Depression... These are all shown as being part of the child at the time's everyday life. I haven't shared many resources in my podcast recently, but I do have another one here that I shared this morning in our not-so-proper unschoolers group. I think I should have chosen a shorter name. That's rather a mouthful. Anyway, last night, Imogen was telling us about a TED Talk that she had just seen. It's called The Transformative Power of classical music. Being a classical musician, I guess the title attracted her. It's a talk by a person called Benjamin Zander. He is a musician and also a conductor. Imogen said that she liked the, the talk very much and that it was the best explanation of classical music that she has ever heard, which got us curious and we all sat down and wanted to watch too. So she watched it for, I think it was the second or the third time, and we all watched with her. Very, very entertaining speaker, and the points he made were very interesting. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But that got me thinking about classical music. After we had watched this TED Talk, we started talking about our favourite pieces of classical music. We realised we haven't actually listened to classical music for a while. I guess we've been too busy listening to Imogen's music. We all started calling out our favourite pieces of music, and I made a list and I posted some of our favourites in the Facebook group as well. And then I began to think about websites that we have used in the past to do with classical music. And one of those is Classics for Kids. I went to that site this morning. I remembered how in the past we have listened to some of the radio shows. And I discovered that those radio shows are now podcasts. We can subscribe to them on iTunes. And so that's exactly what I did. And before I knew it, Sophie Jimmerose and I were listening to some podcasts about Aaron Copeland. I got out my speaker and connected it to my iPod. We all sat together in the family room and enjoyed the music. After that, I went onto YouTube and found a couple of pieces of music that had been mentioned in the podcasts, and we listened to those as well. So we had a classical music morning, and we really enjoyed that. It was good. So I think that's all I want to talk about today. I hope some of my ramblings about radical unschooling make a little bit of sense. 
I hope you'll go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Have a look at the show notes. Also, come over to our Not So Proper Unschoolers Facebook group. We'd love you to join us there. We've been having some really interesting discussions, sharing resources, encouraging each other, making friends. It's been good. I also have a Facebook page of my own, Stories of an Unschooling Family. There's a few other places around the internet where you'll find me as well, like YouTube and Instagram. So I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you have a very happy and productive week. And until next time, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm.